0: On the beat, boy. Accent made this. Welcome back to the Value Adds Value Podcast with Kyle Krieger and Wilkie Law, where we're sharing inspiring stories of educators just like yourself, helping you to develop your craft and sharpen your tools to become the teacher your students deserve. This is the Value Adds Value Podcast. Let's jump into this next episode.
1: Hey, y'all, it's Kyle. Sorry to take this quick break from the podcast, but we wanted to answer a question we've been getting a lot from people, and that is, how can they start their own podcast? For us, the easiest and best way to do that is through Anchor. We love the Anchor platform, first of all, because it's free, and as Air Crouch says, free is always in our price range. Secondly, the creation of podcasts on Anchor is as easy as we found, whether it's through your phone or through your computer. We also love that Anchor takes care of distributing the podcast. We are on so many more platforms since we switched to Anchor. Um, They have the biggest ones, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any that you really um, want your podcast to be on. Also, you can make money from your podcast if that's what you want to do with no minimum listenership. You don't have to hit these minimum wickets to be able to bring money in through your podcast. It, it truly is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So please, go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Check it out to get started the same way we did. Now, back to the podcast.
2: Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm so pumped to have my friend who's in Singapore, Gary Gray, Gary Gray Jr. on the podcast. How are you doing, my friend? Oh man, I'm so
3: happy to be doing this with you. Um, this is my first time doing a podcast, so I'm excited.
1: Yeah,
2: I'm like hopefully, I,
3: my, hopefully your expectations aren't too high.
1: <laughs> you know,
2: it's it's been so crazy because you know we just got we were talking about C.J. Reynolds and you know my business partner and I. Uh, he's in Houston. I live in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. We met eight years ago, or no, sorry, I lived eight years in Houston, Texas after growing up mm-hmm. in Wisconsin, and we met teaching, and we you know, we had done probably like 30 podcasts before we started putting guests on. And I just like sent CJ a message that was like, Hey, I follow your stuff. Would you want to be on my podcast? And he sent me a message back like 45 minutes later, like, yeah, I'm totally down. And it's so crazy. Like, and I've, everybody I've talked to, we've talked about the Instagram teacher community and it's so awesome. Like how willing people are to help. So, you know, I follow you and like, I, I want to know how you do like the little graphics like that have you as a caricature, character, character yeah. and you put all, Oh my God, those are amazing. But, oh, but no, thank you. um, it's the expectation. There isn't really a lot of expectation. It's been oh, just good. so fun to just have teacher talks with people. And, and the whole goal with this is, you know, is to inspire teachers and, you know, to bring on people who add them value. So whatever you can do to, to help teachers out. And I, I really, you, being that you, are in Singapore I think you have a really interesting perspective to bring to teachers so we're really excited to have you man it's awesome
3: no thank you thank you it should be fun it's gonna be fun oh
2: yeah and it's like I said it's we have a good time it's not too serious so first question we always ask everybody coming out is uh could you tell us about who your favorite teacher was and why that person was your favorite teacher um man it's such a loaded question (laughs) it is everybody says that (laughs)
3: Um, I had, you know what, growing up I had so many, I had a lot of teachers that I liked a lot. Um, the one for me the most um, were the teachers, you know what, to be honest, that looked similar to myself. Um, I'll always remember my first, like, African teacher. So um, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was fifth grade. Um, she was from the community. Um, and it's just easy to relate to, right? Um, there were, like, not inside jokes, but she knew what was going on in the community in the sense where we could make connections that other teachers wouldn't be able to do. So um, high expectations. She, like, knew my parents. So, like, I couldn't really get away with anything. Um, it was, like, it was one of those teachers where um, she just – and at the same time, she was looking out for me. So um, there was two of those teachers, and then there was another principal, and his wife, actually, who um, I kind of grew up with, and they were—they kind of turned into mentors for me. Um, one went by the name of like uh, Kenny, uh, last name Fells, and his wife' name was Karen Hudson. Um, just like always, making sure I was on the right track. Um, super friendly, um, and just were not scared to like check me if they notice that I was doing something wrong or something that was out of characteristic of myself or not keeping myself to high standards. Um, And growing up, you needed people like that, um, especially in the surroundings that we had in school. So those I would say those are my teachers that kind of stand out the most. Um, There's other teachers that I could name. Um, I could definitely go down the list, but those are the ones that kind of stand out the most.
2: All right. So... There's another question I want to ask and I'll come back to it. But, but since you're, you're talking about, you know, what is your background, you know, and how did that kind of lead you to where you are now that you're teaching in Singapore?
3: Um, well, I'm from Nova Scotia. I uh, grew up in an all-black neighborhood um, called Preston. Um, Preston is one of the, I think, actually the largest um, black community in Canada. I'm um, from Nova Scotia, I've gone to all my schooling in Nova Scotia, um, I went to this job fair after university, um, my mentor teacher kind of said, hey, where are you interested in teaching abroad? And I was like, I don't know, like this, what do you mean abroad, like where I haven't been outside of North America um, for my whole life, I went to this job fair in Toronto. Um, from Toronto, I actually met my wife there <laughs> at this job fair. No, um,
0: you didn't.
3: I did. It was like, it's, I'll, I'll be honest, Like going to the job fair teaching international has been probably the best decision that I've ever made in my entire life. Um, meeting my wife there, me, her, and another friend of mine from Vancouver literally got like job offers from like, a handful of schools, not like great schools, because we're like fresh out of school. Um but we had this school and it was in Kuwait and we were like, where's Kuwait? Like like what like we don't know anything about this place. We don't know anyone that's there. Um the package was okay. Then we literally sat down around a table and we looked at each other and we were like, like what do we have to lose? Like we don't have jobs in Canada. We all we're all here, let's just do this thing together. And we literally signed the contract together and like the next months went by we talked to each other a little bit and then the starting of September we were in Kuwait together (laughs) it was like this crazy um like this crazy thing of like events just happening and all of a sudden like you wake up and you're in Kuwait and you're teaching in this foreign country so that's basically how I got international and then from Kuwait I moved to Singapore so
2: it's so so I'm I'm just intrigued so like you were standing in line and you just started talking to the woman that now became your wife or what
3: oh so like she's gonna hear this too so I have to be careful (laughs) (laughs) well you know we were um, both kind of sitting we were both. we we had saw each other throughout the um, throughout the like I guess it's called like a recruiting fair um, and like she's young, I'm young. There weren't a whole lot of young people there, So you know how you kind of you kind of gravitate towards people that are similar to you, same kind of vibe. Um, and I did definitely talk to her first. Um, I did, and I'll say that. I did. And she, we talked a little bit and then like in the beginning, we were just kind of like, what are you like? how did you get here? What are your plans for education? Um, we didn't plan. Like, I think going in, I personally didn't plan on leaving Canada. Um, I was mainly going for just, like, the interview experience, because no matter what you go to these fairs, you're going to get interviews with, like, tons of schools, to the point where, like, you're exhausted. Um, And then you get a few offers, and then you're, like, kind of interested. Like, it's a little bit intriguing. So from there, we decided to go. And then I think within the first two years, we spent three years in Kuwait, um we started dating and then we got married actually last year so it's been cra- this 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 international thing has been really crazy
2: <laughs> man that's awesome and we'll de- we'll definitely double back double back to that but um so we have we our next question and like i feel bad because like it's been half and half of people that are into this so but this is a question we love is <laughs> so as a teacher If you had to pick one, one superhero that you were as a teacher or one superpower that you have, which one would it be?
3: Mm -hmm. I'm not a big superhero person, but I do like the, um, I'm more like a, I'd say I'm more like a Spider-Man person. Like he's like, doesn't have any like crazy powers. Um, he has like that spider sense, which like you always need as like a teacher, which is like pretty cool. Um. But I often feel like he, he Spider Man often makes things out of nothing. Like he again, like he doesn't have anything crazy to really help him. Like he has to be clever. Um, he's often not given much. So like he's doing things that like his like mental capability is allowing him to do. So I feel like I'm more of like a Spider Man, less like a Hulk or like a Batman where like they're powers are very obvious (laughs) right unlike spider-man it's like he looks like a normal kid right Right. um yeah so i would would probably say spider-man if
2: i had to pick one nice that's perfect that's perfect so we we were talking a little bit before we started recording about about the drawing you've been doing so um i guess the question is like how did you get how did you get into art and is that something that like crosses over to your teaching, like your your love for art? Because I've been watching you on Instagram doing the art thing, and I'm always just like super impressed with how good it is. It's it's crazy. Thank awesome. you.
3: Thank you. It's um, you know, I almost I, I played basketball in university for f- four years. Um, coming out of high school, it was either basketball or art. So I had my portfolio done for art school. I had done all these like random drawings they had asked me to do. I think one was like a potato in a certain kind of like like position. It was really odd. I had done all this work and then I ended up getting um a scholarship to play basketball. So I ended up choosing basketball instead. And then I just put it away and I would draw and then I'd put it away and then I'd draw. And it is definitely something that I now as a teacher use as much as possible. Um I use it as like a classroom management tool. Um, I use it as like a creative environment with the kids. Like My anchor charts, I normally have art on them. My whiteboards have art on them. Um, I I do feel like art, I do feel like everyone can be an artist. Um, and I do preach that a lot in the classroom. I think it's really important that kids know that they can be creative. Um, and the main thing with that is knowing that the way they're creative, the way that they're doing the art is important. And it doesn't have to be exactly like, everyone else is doing it so Um, that's one of the reasons why I like art because like no one can really tell you that you're wrong (laughs) right like as an artist you are the person who's in control so I think once students understand that um, it's very very helpful for for them to kind of break through that like creative process as well so
2: yeah and and I had a chance uh, earlier this spring a friend of mine lives in Chicago and we went to like the the famous I I forget the name of it, but the but the the downtown Chicago Art Museum that's one of the most famous in the world and there's some pieces in there that I'm just like I don't get how this is art and it's it's so crazy but like you said it's so it's crazy it's it's to each his own like I mean it's the same thing with music like Ooh. just just because you like certain music doesn't mean everybody's gotta like it or exactly you know, that yeah so all yeah.
3: right and I think that's like yeah if you can get kids to get to know that like your art doesn't have to look like everybody else's like that's like one huge step like in like life
2: knowing that things don't have to be the same way right and do you feel like that then kind of lends it into that conversation about you know people of you know like
3: Yeah, I think so. I do. I do. Like I think personal identity, being yourself I think all those things are like extremely important. And if you are, if you figure out a way to be happy with who you are and you know your strengths, you know your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities, and it's hard. Like I'm teaching third graders. So like these are like pretty tough concepts. But if they have an idea of what these things are, they are well on their way leading into fifth grade, middle school, high school, et cetera. So
2: nice, nice. So do you have a particular like, Educational philosophy, or or some kind of vision for for what you for what you do and who you are as a teacher.
3: Philosophy, I would. It's a tough question. Like I I I do like the idea of um, empathy. I think empathy is really really important. I think respect and connections are really really important. Um, and I think within that like combination of all of those. Um, they're going to help students grow like in general. Um, and then I think I just talked about like personal identity. I think all those things kind of put together are going to help kids have a love for learning. Um, but at the same time, I think like the empathy part is going to help them understand pain, um, like sorrow and hardships, which is like, it's not a good feeling, but it's something that kids especially need to have to kind of go through or understand because it's going to happen as they get older. Um, yeah. So I think, again, it goes back to empathy, respect, and kind of connections, I think. Um, and then obviously, like, with within all of that, you want it to be fun. You want it to be engaging um, and high energy. Like, you have to have some energy when you're in the classroom. <laughs>
2: right. It's just Is right. not
3: going to work out very well if you have low energy, especially elementary, that's for sure.
2: Right on. So So, you know, from... From your your school experience to teaching in Kuwait to teaching in Singapore, could you kind of compare, you know, what those experiences have been like? And I know it's different when you're a teacher to compare it to your academic experience, but could you just kind of compare, you know, for the listeners as to what the system was like that you went to and, and how it compares to those two places you've been since?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, Kuwait was definitely... Um, for one, it was eye-opening. It was my first time outside North America, um, going into a country that was Muslim, um, people that looked very different. Like for me, going into Kuwait, it was different. Um, I was always a minority, like even in Canada, um, but it was different in the sense that, like, they were like the people there were extremely nice. My parents were extremely nice. The kids were extremely nice. Um the school was a good starting point. Um to be honest, they didn't have a ton of resources. Um uh, there were seven classes of second graders at the time. Um school was fairly big. Um I think there was I can't don't quote me on, I think there's at least like two thousand kids maybe, maybe a little less than two thousand kids. Um and I learned a ton. Like going in as a new teacher, I learned a ton. Like they had great teachers and mentors there. Um and then I end up leaving in my third year to come to Singapore, which was like another not shock, but learning experience. Um school that I'm currently in has like four thousand kids. So it's like a small university almost. Um I had I'm teaching third grade here and instead of seven third grade classes I have 14 third grade classes so it's like yeah (laughs) you you put it in context and you try and look at how does that even work like we have three huge sections we have a huge elementary huge middle school and then a huge high school and the campus is literally it's like a university campus um I have lots of resources maybe more than what I need um one-to-one iPad so it's definitely different um, but Kuwait was definitely an amazing like stepping stool for me to get to to the school that I am right now
2: for sure. So are you are you teaching in Kuwait and in Singapore the the native kids or are you teaching kids from other countries or or what kind of school are you in? So both schools
3: are American school so the one in Kuwait was um, ASK, which was American School of Kuwait. Um, the school that I'm in now is um, <clears throat> Singapore American School. And both schools, you need to have American passport to go to the school. Um, so I, I believe it kind of works. like A lot of the kids, they're local in a sense that they're from Kuwait or from Singapore, but they were born in America. So that's how they have the American passport. Um, some a lot right now. I have a lot of kids from like they're from every, everywhere you can possibly think of. So I have kids from Canada, kids from the U.S., I have kids from Europe, um, Chinese, Korean, like everything you can possibly think of. Um, and then in Kuwait, it was more um, uh, Middle Eastern. So I had like kids from Kuwait. Um, I did have kids that were born in like, they were Turkish, I had kids from Russia, like it was very similar in a sense, like the demographics, but the kids basically came from everywhere, but they had passports from America. Um, And we did not, Kuwait, they did not take local kids. Um, In Singapore, they don't take local kids either, not at the two schools that we have anyway.
2: So you're teaching primar- only in English. You're not teaching in any other languages. No other languages, thank
3: God. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's that's just always what I wonder if you know if you're going to yeah. a place like that. You have to teach. Um, so, but they do go to
3: language classes, though.
2: Oh, so they're learning. Are they learning just the native language, or are they learning all all kinds so of? So
3: they're doing Mandarin here. They're doing Mandarin, Spanish, Chinese, like. Kuwait they were doing um Arabic and Spanish um I think it depends on what your parents want that you to kind of learn um but they yeah they do go out every day for a language class
2: okay so so thinking about your experience so far like what are the what are the benefits of teaching abroad and and what are some of the drawbacks
3: um i'll start with the drawbacks like i would say the only drawback for me is being away from family like i'm a mama's boy like i love being around family um it's hard to miss things like i've missed weddings i've missed parties i've missed friends having kids and like all like there's a lot of stuff that you miss because you are just so far away like you can't just get on a plane and go home um because the distance just doesn't work out for you um i think sometimes it's hard to build friendships because coming into a new school like especially if you're new um, you're starting over like you have to build friendships over again and that has to go whether that is through people that you meet at dinners or outings um, whether it's through school events um it's a little bit like university like you know what like you have to put yourself out there a little bit so if you're uncomfortable in a sense where you don't want to put yourself out there and find new friends like it can be very difficult um building relationships as well um uh i think the benefits of it are i think there's way more benefits than um like downfalls of being international the benefits are obviously like if you go to a school that has lots of resources um they definitely you can get i don't know i want to I'm gonna speak for myself here because the school that I'm at you can get any resource you need at any time. Um, there's lots of books in the library, um, they have iPads, um, and they treat their teachers really well, so most international schools. They pay for like your housing. So like you don't have to worry about paying for your housing. Like they basically just pay for it for you. Um, they put you on like a health plan. So your health plan is pretty good and you get benefits through health plans. Um, they pay for your two flights home. So like you can fly home many two times a year and they give you money for that. Um, and the classroom sizes stay between 21 and 22 kids. Um and that's always helpful when you have you know how many kids you're going to get, um, and then I think the biggest one, which I hear from a lot of friends that I have in the state, that have a lot of support um, in a lot of these schools, international schools, and again I'm speaking for myself here, that there's support for those kids that are struggling. So they're going out and they're getting RTI work done. They're getting um, whether it's math or writing or reading or whatever. There's just people there specifically to help them so they're going out of the classroom or coming in and they're getting help um and they're not just sitting in the classroom struggling so there is a lot of benefits i would say um i would love to convince anyone to come teach international <laughs> um but again it's it, the family thing is hard sometimes definitely
2: how much how much personal traveling have you done since you've been in those places? Because it seems like everybody I know that goes international, I, every time I see them, they're like in all these different places and doing all these cool things.
3: Yeah, I'm, again, very lucky um, for not traveling until I moved to Kuwait and then seeing that I've been to, I don't know, I've been to a lot. Of, like I've been to like, Greece, I've been to Abu Dhabi and, like, Dubai, I've been to Bali, I've been to, like, Germany, I've, like, all I, like, I've been to a lot of different places, and I think, again, I didn't mention that before, but, like, that is, like, a huge benefit of being an international teacher, like, I've been lucky to be in two great hubs, like, Kuwait and Singapore, where, like, there's places around you, like, you can travel, I like, can go to Bali on a weekend and come back on Monday, go to school like it's crazy like I could never do anything like that in, in North America right no. so no. it has definitely opened up my eyes in a sense where like I feel like I'm a traveler now um and it's fun like to see different places so um I can't I can't even remember how many places I've been to be honest
2: so do you do you and your wife think you'll be international forever or is there a time where you're going to try to kind of move back towards family or what's what's the plan um she's she's already told me like she's pretty happy
3: <laughs> and like international teaching is something that she definitely wants to do for a while but um, i'm kind of with her on that like i'm i'm comfortable um again i don't know what's going to happen um i don't know maybe knock on wood someone make it sick or they may need one of us home for whatever reason. Then I think family and all those things kind of come first. Um, but at the same time, right now
2: we are we're pretty happy, pretty
3: happy being international
2: teachers. So, is is her family close to your family in Canada, or are you pretty far apart? Pretty far. Like she her she's from Toronto, um, so
3: the they don't really see each other because that's quite the commute, right? Um, Um, but yeah, they, they, when we got married last summer, um, it was great. Like it was one of the first times a lot of them got to meet each other. So now they're on like, you know, just like we're talking, like they're on WhatsApp and like they're on Facebook and like they stay connected that way. Um, but yeah, not close. Definitely not
2: close. Nice.
3: Nice. Yeah.
2: All right. So we talked a little bit prior to, uh, coming on here and, and that about, the importance of of males in the profession, and, hmm. and and that, and you, we, you also talked about you know the importance of you as a black man being in the profession. So can you kind of op- open up a little bit more about the importance of male teachers and specifically you know black male teachers?
3: Yeah, I think you know what it's hard. because... well, it's not hard. I know. I just remember when I was in school and I went. Elementary, I had two teachers that looked similar to myself. Um, None of them were male. Um, Then I got to middle school, and I had, I think I had one that looked similar to myself. Um, And I didn't know, but there was such a huge difference in um, the way I looked at him, the way that I carried myself when I was around him Um, and just like my philosophy of like being in the class and being there and like listening and trying to take everything I could from him knowing that wow like this guy kind of looks like me um, and I've never really seen that before and why is that important I don't think I really knew that until now and seeing other people kind of go through it um, because we have some black kids that in um, Singapore there was a few in Kuwait and For them to see me, it's like, it's crazy. Like they almost feel like a ghost because it's like, you don't see very many, for one, males in elementary. And then you don't see very many black males in elementary, especially in international setting. Um, So the importance goes a long way, I think, um, in a sense where it's like a sense of pride. Um, There's also like sort of like a, a sense of like ownership um, and they respect you, I think, a little bit more because, like, you're kind of familiar to them. Um, and they're not used to seeing someone who looks like you. Um, so, again, I, I, I think one of the things international schools could do a little bit better of is hiring as many, not just male teachers, but also, like, African-American or Canadian or whatever the case may be, teachers Um, over a scale, but definitely male. Um, There's very few of us here, that's for sure. Very, very few of us. Um, But it is very, very important.
2: Yeah, you know, and I mean, but you said the area, and I don't know if you, maybe we were talking about it, but the area you grew up in, in Nova Scotia, was a primarily black neighborhood, right?
3: It was, yeah, it was. Um, And there were mentors there. There were um, lots of people that were, not a lot that were in education, um, but people that wanted to put you on, like, the right track, so to speak, but they weren't in the classroom with you. Um, so then that's different. Like, you can you can go out of the classroom into the community and hear things, but then once you get to school, like, you have so many distractions around you. If you don't have that person um, or those people or that, like, community, um, it can be hard. It can be really, really difficult for you to kind of to get through. Yeah. So um, I think it's important. Yeah, very, very, very important. mm
2: yeah. And I just, you know, for me, I grew up in teeny tiny town, Wisconsin, like completely, I mean, like there was maybe one black student in my high school the whole time. And, and this is a high school of like 400 people total. But, you know, mm-hmm. my, my mentality really changed when I, when I moved to Houston, which is a primarily Hispanic, you know, and a large mm-hmm. African-American population in these schools. But the majority of the teachers are white, and you know the majority of the teachers are female and i had a really hard time understanding and learning that cultural piece as to why you know the hispanic kids and the african-american kids didn't necessarily vibe with me Mm -hmm. because of that that gap not that not that they were like Discriminating against me because of my race, but th- there was just not that that under like sure. you said that understanding of the culture, and and what it meant, and and not just that, but to go to a, you know what we call a Title I school district where the majority of the kids are low so- socioeconomic. It, there was just mm-hmm. such a such a gap between me and the students for a long time before until I started to really try to understand what that life was like.
3: Mm-hmm. And I think that's, it goes, and I'm I, finishing up my master's now, I think, and one thing that has kind of really hit me is that I think, and I, and I can, again, only speak from my experience internationally, is that we don't talk about diverse. We talk about diversity and culture in the sense where it's like, ooh, we're doing diversity, we're doing culture, but it's not done properly. I think we have, like, events or, like, we were having one, just like one offs. So it's like one day we're gonna have an event on culture and everyone's gonna dress up in their culture costumes and they're gonna bring food. And then it's like, that's the the end. And it should be way deeper than like that surface level kind of like, this is what we're gonna do and culture is fun and it's beautiful, but we're not really talking about the individuals that are in the classroom and representing them at all, just through like parties, so to speak. Um, and I think that's a lack of, I think a lot of schools and I'm, and just, this is just from like research, research that I've done in international experiences. I think a lot of schools are missing that piece um, within education.
2: And I, I don't know a lot about Singapore or Kuwait, you know, beyond kind of where I could find them on the map, but I mean, America is a, has, well, I mean, has always been a very racially divided country, but now it's really, come to the forefront, and it's, and it's really out there. So do you – I mean, is Singapore that way to where there is, you know, very distinct racial divides?
3: No, I think the school – no, I would – no, definitely not. I think Singapore is like – how can I describe it? It's definitely – there's lots of different- – It is is a little bit of a melting pot. Like, there are people from all over the world here. Um, I do feel like, personally myself, I go out and I don't feel... No one really looks at me in a sense where, like, oh, he's really different. Um, I've gone to other countries where, like, I've felt uncomfortable to the point where people are trying to touch my hair or trying to take pictures with me. Like, it's not... And I, you know what, and it's not in a sense where they are being ignorant. Um, I think a lot of it is curiosity for the most part, Um, but curiosity at times um, can be hard on someone. Like if if you go out and someone is always curious of you, and it's like person after person after person, you're gonna start to feel something. Um, So over time it can be very taxing on somebody, right? Um, But Singapore is definitely not like that at all. I think there's lots of different people um, I feel like it's honestly one of the, one of the easiest places that I've lived. Um, and the people are super kind. There's not really much of a divide. Um, but there are definitely different pockets of people
2: for sure. Um, so in, so when you're talking about, you don't talk about diversity a lot, so it's maybe not as much a, I mean, cause it seems like in America, it's a cultural thing. Like we don't want to, as a culture have that hard conversation about it. So is that more from your end, is it more just the schools and that school community doesn't prioritize it rather than not wanting to go down that road?
3: I wouldn't say we don't prioritize it. I would say it's more I think it just needs to be revisited. Like I think we just need to look back at what we are doing. Um is it helpful? Um what is the reason behind it? Like if if it is for us to just celebrate one day of something, then sure, that's fine. Um, if we are trying to help students understand who they are as people, um, as a culture, um, individually, community-based, like all that stuff, then we have to go beyond the one-offs um, or beyond the read aloud or the the movie or whatever the case may be. Um, it definitely has to go a lot deeper than than what it is and again it's not just looking at my school right now um, yeah, I think it's a lot of international schools to be honest
2: yeah yeah and, it, and it's just it's such a strange um, I don't want strange is not the right word but it it's just a different time than I can ever remember, you know, being, you know, I'm 33. Like I didn't grow up with the internet. Like we had the internet when I was in school, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't what the internet is today. And you know, with with social media, it's just everything's coming out to the forefront and I, I just don't think we can avoid the, those hard conversations anymore.
3: No, you can't, and I think you have to teach kids to be able to to talk about them, like because it's gonna happen. Like, they majority of our kids, and again speaking for myself, they're gonna go off to American universities. So, like, if you grew up in this kind of little, kind of like a bubble in Singapore where everything's like so safe, like you're you don't have a lot of racial backlash. People aren't really looking at you differently because things are normal. Like, then you go to the states, and it's like People are gonna have questions, people may make comments, like and if you're not ready for that, if you don't know what to say, if you're not proud of who you are, you don't know who you are, you're gonna have a really hard time kinda of like articulating yourself. So it's it is a it is a tricky concept. I think it's it's definitely something we need to address. How do we
2: do it? I don't know. I, I don't know either, but you know <laughs> and I think that's one of the things we really like about the podcast with teachers is is it's just a great platform for us to just have conversation and just do our little part to keep the conversation going you know the the gun violence thing right now in America is is crazy and it and yeah it's dangerous and it's scary but like the conversations and how polarized it is on both sides is what scares me way more because it's just you can't you can't have it doesn't seem like we can have just a civil conversation and just find some no. middle ground it there, I feel like our our country more than anything is just unwilling to try to find middle ground
3: yeah I, th- I think that it's it's sad because there's people that are so angry and I don't know why like I guess I know why but they're angry to the point that they're not listening anymore it's like my idea this is what I want If I don't get it I'm going to be angry And that's it. That's, like, that's kind of where it stops right there. Yeah. It's really sad.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, and the other good thing about the podcast is every teacher I've talked to, though, is, like, but there's so many great teachers out there. If we're just in the education space, like, and I think that's what I love about the Instagram teacher community is there's just so much positivity floating around and not just that there's, Mm -hmm. like, it's not, like, just – false positivity, it's like really genuinely upbeat, happy, positive people like putting good stuff out and I I think that's what I like about it the most. Yeah, no, it's
3: when I first started the Instagram, I've been on Instagram for a while, but I never really did like the teacher and I really promoted teaching like what I was doing in the classroom. I didn't really follow any teachers. And once I started finding people and looking at their pages, I was like same, same, just like I was like, holy cow. Like there are so many amazing teachers out there doing amazing things. And a lot of people are figuring out ways to come together to do it more and do it bigger and do it better. Um, we just need more of that. Um, and people just need to stay connected. Like, And I think when it's for the kids – um, that's what matters most. I think people forget like they're kind of so self i don't know what the word is like they're so about themselves and they forget like why are we really doing this, and it's about the kids and If you look on Instagram often on Twitter, like people are doing a lot of these things for the kids, and
2: that's what really, really matters yeah that's awesome and that's a that's a good way to kind of round this out, so I just want to ask you a couple of random questions because i'm interested sure. so like what has been the the most memorable or, or coolest experience you've had in your travels, you know, abroad? And it doesn't have to be, like, teaching experience, but just, like, the coolest place or the coolest thing you've gotten to do.
3: Um, coolest place? Man, it's so hard. Um, I really loved, um, Jordan. Jordan was, like, one of my favorite places, um... The Taj Mahal was, like, this surreal moment. Like, you couldn't believe you're looking at, like, the Taj Mahal, this, like, beautiful building. Um, I really, really liked um, Barcelona and Berlin. Now, something about Europe, like, people are just so chill in Europe. Like, yeah, right, right. <laughs> they they go out, they eat, they hang out with friends. Like, everyone seems like they're so zen there, so... Um I love traveling to Europe. But I think the most my the the fav, my favorite would be Jordan, I think. Um because like we did some like it was kinda like rafting, but you didn't have like the raft. So you like you had you went down in this kind of like waterfall and you put this like um life jacket on and you're like you basically have to truck through like water and rocks to get to this like water fountain um at the end and it was like one of the craziest experiences that I've ever had in my entire life there's water splashing everywhere and there's like people going both ways like you have to hang on ropes like I can't remember exactly what it was called but it was like one of those experiences that like I'm scared to death like so scared but then you finish it and you're like so happy you're so excited um and there's the moments where you're like wow like Scary moments are the, like, the ones like you learn from and you cherish the most because like you didn't think you could do it, so to speak. Um, but yeah, Jordan was like just amazing. If you don't have Jordan on your list, put Jordan on your list.
2: <laughs> all right. Got it. Um, so what's, what's, you know, there's a lot out there that it always seems like when you go to those exotic places that there's all this strange food. So what's the strangest food you've eaten?
3: Oh man. Oh, strangest food. i tried when i went to thailand and it didn't last very long i tried like um you know you can try like scorpions or like yeah it didn't it didn't last very long (laughs) it was one of those things where like okay i'll try and see what happens but i think i like barely took a bite of it and i was like no this is not for me so scorpions I'm pretty adventurous, but, like, Scorpions was, like, way outside of the box, and I did not go back to anything else like that after that experience, so.
2: Nice. Scorpions. You should try those, too. Yeah. All right. (laughs) If if, When I go to Thailand, I'll try them for sure, so... (laughs) All right, so to kind of wrap it up, you know, cuz I want to be respectful of your time cuz I'm sure you got a nice. I mean, it's Saturday. It's Friday night where I am and it's Saturday morning where you are, so I want to make sure you, you you got your day going. So, what's what's the best advice you've ever been given and who is that person that gave it to you?
3: Um best advice That's a hard question. Like I I feel like um I have a handful of mentors in my life, but I think my biggest mentors have always been like my parents. Um, I think they. my mom and my dad have always told me like, kill them with kindness. So if you are in some sort of issue or problem with someone like, and you feel a certain way towards someone like, just be kind, just be kind, just be kind. Um, mom and dad would always talk about learning from your mistakes and how mistakes are kind of what make you grow as a person. Um, And my dad would always say, if you don't ask, you never know. And I think that's something that has kind of, I've used throughout my life, like I was never a person to ask a lot of questions. Um, And the times that I didn't ask questions, that's when I got in trouble the most. Um, But when I did ask questions, it made ideas more simple. Um, And it kind of helped me kind of along this like teaching journey as much as possible, like asking questions, learning from mistakes, and just being kind. I think kindness is something that is also not talked about enough, um, but something we need to be talking about more in education, preaching to our children, um, and just being a little bit more aware of.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's perfect. So, um, I know it's a broad question I'm going to ask you, but what would be, okay. you know, what's what's maybe the best tip of advi- or best tip you've gotten or best advice you've gotten? Um, you know, as a struggling teacher that you would pass on to another struggling teacher? Um,
3: I think honestly, I think the first thing is identifying what that struggle is and not being ashamed of it. Like as a teacher, especially as a new teacher, like you are going to make so many mistakes. Um, and you identify what they are, write them down. It can be a list of things. And then I think similar to what my dad has always says, like, Ask the questions because you don't want to go through you don't want to go weeks or months without asking questions and then being stuck or forgetting. Um, I think asking questions and finding you know what finding trustworthy mentors is really really important. Finding someone within education within your building or your team that you like truly believe in and like talk to them. Say like, can you be my mentor? Like, can I ask you questions? Can I WhatsApp you? Whatever it is, because if you don't have people like that, it's gonna be really, really hard
2: for you, especially as a new teacher. Oh, that's awesome! That's perfect. So, um, what's your what's your proudest accomplishment to date?
3: Proudest? You know what? I'm almost done my master's, so I'm gonna that I am extremely happy that I'm almost done (laughs) it's been very very hard in a sense where like doing teaching and your masters abroad online has been very very difficult um so I think that has probably been my I'm most proud of myself for that now just being able to juggle so much and being basically done I'll be done this summer, I have one more course left and a little bit of a project, um, and I'll be done. No more school for a while after nice,
2: this. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, all right. Before we ask you the final question let you go, um, w- people that want to follow you or want to connect with you, what's the best place? What's the best way for them to do that?
3: Um, I, I am, as you know, I'm an Instagram person, so I love Instagram as much as possible. So, um, Gary, Gary R. Gray Jr. on Instagram. Um, Gary R. Gray Jr. on Twitter. Um, I want to do YouTube really badly, but I'm struggling so bad to make videos right now. <laughs> so
2: we're we're in the same spot. We're in yeah. we're in the same spot.
3: Eventually, I would I will have a YouTube channel eventually. So maybe like I'll set the bar very low, and it'll be one video a week probably. Um, but those are the main things for me right now: um, Instagram and uh, Twitter. Send me a message. Um, I love talking about teaching, especially mm-hmm. if you want to teach international. Honestly, like, send me a message. I can send you loads of information. I love, I love convincing people to travel.
2: Nice. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking this time out of your morning, and I've, man, I really enjoyed the conversation. It was fun to uh, connect, even though I do feel bad that I made the assumption that you were American and you're Canadian. <laughs> I, I will apologize for making that, making that assumption.
3: God, nope, not a problem. Not a problem. So
2: all thank right.
3: you, well, thank you guys. You guys are awesome.
2: Thank you, appreciate it. So, all right. Last question before we let you go here what What do you want your legacy to be?
3: Hmm. Legacy. Wow. Um, that's a hard question. I think. I think my I would like my legacy to be something obviously leaving something within education um, that can be used over and over again. So whether that is some sort of idea um, or concept um, that is important to the world or society um, that can help them kind of grow in a sense. So that, I don't know what that could be. Maybe that is a book or a novel or... Um, curriculum or maybe it's just myself and me doing this more as much as possible me doing videos or public speaking or something like that I want people to look back and know that I want people to look back and say like teaching is about kindness it's about making connections it's about finding about finding out who you are and making mistakes and that's all what Gary was kind of about so um, I think if I can leave some sort of legacy where people are thinking about those things, I will be very, very happy.
2: <laughs> nice, man. That's awesome. Well, once again, man, I appreciate the time. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us.
3: Oh, not a problem. Thank you. Thank you. I have a question for you before you go, actually.
2: Oh, yeah. So who is
3: your, uh, your basketball team?
2: My favorite basketball team? Uh, I, I grew up in Wisconsin. I'm, a real, I'm more of a college basketball guy. Sure, but uh, so I'm a Wisconsin Badgers all the way, but of I, course. I, I, I gotta say, like, I, I, I do like the Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks are starting to come around, and they're finally getting good. So I gotta say that I'm a, I'm a Bucks fan. Yeah,
3: no, you know what? I'm, I can't argue with that. The Bucks are they're They got a game seven coming up. I know. Are
2: you, are you a Raptors fan?
3: I do like the Raptors because I am Canadian. Uh, but I'm also
2: a Chris Paul fan, oh. so
3: I paid my dues being a Clippers fan for a long time. Now I'm very, very happy that I'm a
2: Rockets fan. <laughs> oh yeah, that's good. And I had when I was living in Houston, I got to go to a couple Rockets games. They were fun. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping they, they can do it. You know, Houston, uh, the Houston Astros just won the World Series in baseball. So it would be something if the, if the, if the Rockets could do the same. It would be special. It really would. Mm-mm.
0: Get started on this episode, everybody. We want to take a chance to talk to you about a platform and a company that we believe in, and that's Nearpod. Now, we've had a relationship with Nearpod for over a year now, and it is by far the best educational platform we've ever used. What Nearpod is, is a presentation and engagement tool that you can use with your students. The things we love about it is You can create lessons that can either be paced by you, the teacher, or you can create lessons that allow your students to work at their own pace. And it's interactive. And one thing they've just added that makes it so much easier is it can integrate with Google Slides and vocabulary. So, if you want to try Nearpod for free, go to this website, go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value. That's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value to try Nearpod for free.